The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Diego ready to go with the first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to one. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well in the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning and welcome to our show. Today we'll chat with Colin McHugh about his success with Tampa Bay. We'll look at the infield defense with Rodney Linares. Vidal Brujan will join us to discuss being invited to the Futures game. Jalen Beeks updates us on his recovery from Tommy John surgery. And we'll hear from Indians broadcaster Jim Rosenhaus since the Rays play Cleveland starting tomorrow. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is Colin McHugh, who's having a terrific first year with the Rays organization. Welcome to the program, and how much are you enjoying uh, being with this group? It's great. Um, Truly, it's like there's something about being here that uh, it's hard to... It's hard to see what it looks like from the outside looking in. I've played against the Rays for a bunch of years now, and it was always hard to play here. It was always tough teams. Uh, there was always like a hard-fought series. If you could get out of there with a win, you're like, we'll take it, especially in the trop. But the thing I didn't really understand until you get here is just the culture that's been built, and that's a very relaxed, very um, take care of your own business. But at the same time, there are expectations that people have of themselves and of, of the guys around them coming in. and. I've loved every second of it. So tell me what's most different. You were with Houston where they won, obviously, a lot. You were with the Mets. You were with Colorado. What's different about this place, about the culture that makes it special to you? You know, I think that they get buy-in from everybody. And the way that they do things here is obviously a little bit different than the way teams do things across the league, both from a roster management standpoint, from the way that they, I mean, the way that they spend money, the way that they bring in free agents, the way they develop people, and then the way the game looks on the field is, is just a little bit different, I think, than typically the teams that I've been a part of. And for me, it's always been, it's always been one of those things where I've always come to the field and known what I needed to do, but there's always, in a lot of other places, a lot of kind of unwritten rules and you know, the clubhouse dynamic can kind of take on the shape of whatever veteran is around there. And it feels like here it takes on the shape of what the coaching staff in the front office brings, which is get your work done. We've brought you here for a reason. Get your work done. Enjoy it. It's so chill <laughs> comparatively. Like, I don't know. I keep saying that. There's, like, not a better word for it. It's just very relaxed. And the pressure is the pressure is not on every second of every day. The pressure is, like, to be good out there in between the lines and everything else off the field, enjoy it. Obviously, this group doesn't win without really good players, though. So is it chicken or egg? Is it great atmosphere allows for confidence of players to succeed? Or is it just really good players have confidence because they're good? No, I, I always say that confidence confidence is the, the precursor to everything um, in baseball. And, you know, it's the more success you get, the more confidence you get. But you have to put yourself in a position to be confident when you go out there. Mm-hmm. And the thing that the team does here specifically, you know, Kyle and, and the coaching staff, is they prepare guys well to be able to go out there and succeed and be confident before you get out there on the mound. And then 
once you have some success, some success which you're going to have because everybody they bring in is talented, it breeds more, and you just kind of keep that ball rolling. Charlie Morton told me what a good guy you were when the uh, when he was here. How much did he tell you about this place, and how much has it lived up to billing? How much is different? I mean, a lot. Charlie was was one of the guys that I was. I mean, I, I talked to him all the time in the off season. You know, we're, we're pretty close. And when kind of Tampa was on my short list, he just kept saying, "Pal, you got to go there, man. That's where you got. That's where you got to be. You're gonna love it." And I, I put a lot of stock into <laughs> to Charlie Morton and to his uh, to his recommendations, whether it be from coffee or music or where I should be playing baseball. And so, you know, he had. Obviously, glowing things to say about the team, the management, the city, the, you know, the whole organization, top to bottom, and it's—I mean—it's lived up to billing in almost every way. It's—it's uh, it's hard to understate, or it's hard to overstate how good of experience it's been so far. You brought up Kyle. How similar and different is Kyle from Brent Strom? Because I always have heard so many good things about him with Houston. Yeah, I mean, Strom is Strom is amazing. I have. He's kind of like my adopted grandfather. <laughs> he's don't tell him I said that because he's going to think he's really old. But um, no, he's he's kind of one of the early adopters in terms of biomechanics and how to put your body in the right position, and also how to use data and analytics to be able to maximize potential in guys. You know, we've seen it happen in in Houston over the years that he's been there. Uh, I was kind of one of his first little guinea pigs over there, but he had been doing it for years and years in, in other organizations and the Cardinals and. And before that, and so I talked to Snides about it early on when I got here, and he heard Brent speak at a conference early on in his coaching career, and was like, "I'm going to take all of this information and run with it." And so I think, you know, they're very much cut from the same rug. They want to maximize what guys already do well, and I think that's that's a really important factor, especially in today's pitching game where everybody has something. Everybody has something special if you're going to pitch in this league, and to be able to take whatever that special thing is and refine it maximize it make it as efficient as possible and and go out there and use it really really use it it's, it's special personality wise are they how are they similar and different <laughs> uh, i would say that the same way the organization has a very like chill atmosphere to it snides like very much plays into that he is slow heartbeat you know feels like he should be on a surfboard somewhere on a beach strami is oh, i was used to you know, poke fun at him. He's always stressing out, man. He's always rubbing his forehead and stressing out. And it's because he cares so much, like so deeply. And he eats, sleeps, breathes baseball. I think Snides has that, but he plays it down a little bit better. (laughs) 2018 season, you had your best year. How are you similar and different between now and then? Uh, Very similar. I was still learning about how to be, it was the first time I'd ever been a full-time reliever. So I was very much learning as I was going which can be difficult in, in some circumstances. But I had been a starter in that league for, for four years at that point, so I, I, knew, I knew a lot of the hitters. I knew a lot of the teams. That part was a little bit easier for me, and especially I was like, if I'm just going to get three to four or five guys out at a time, I was like, I can do that. I've been having to get you know, 15 to 25 guys out at a time as a starter. It was a, from a routine standpoint, it was, a, it was an adjustment. But really the, the similarities now is that between then and now, I'm, I'm just healthy. You know, I was healthy then. I'm healthy now. I had a, a couple rough patches in the middle, but I know what I'm capable of when I'm when I'm healthy and when I'm throwing well. And you know, from that point on, it was just continue to throw up zeros, as many zeros as you can put up. That was kind of something we always echoed. 
uh, to each other in Houston and, and came here and it was the same thing. It doesn't matter how you get them, good, bad, ugly, pretty. Uh, if you can get a zero in this league, it, 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 it can't be, um, you can't take that for granted. We're closing in on the All-Star break. After the All-Star break, the team goes to Atlanta. What does that mean to you to go there? Because that's the area where you grew up and grew up on the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm an Atlanta boy. I've been raised there my whole life. Family's all from there. Grew up a huge Braves fan. Obviously, in the 90s, it was easy to be a Braves fan. Uh, so, for me, watching John Smoltz and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and uh, you know Chipper Jones and all these guys, and then to be able to you know, meet them throughout my career and, you know, pitch against Chipper and be able to kind of be friendly with, with John Smoltz. It's kind of a kid's dream come true. And actually the new Brave Stadium is, is one of two stadiums that I, I haven't played in in Major League Baseball. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and being able to spend a little time back at the house, sleep in my own bed, <laughs> see the family, see the friends. I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, they got a great ball club too. They're young, they're exciting. So do you go home for the Ulster break and then just meet the team there or...? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be chilling. You know where to find me. You'll be chilling at my house in East Atlanta. <laughs> Not a bad situation, of course, to, to begin play after the break that way. You have, I know, a lot of eclectic interests as well. I haven't seen you do a new new podcast so far this year. What's where where is the twelve six podcast going? It's been slow. Yeah, I know. I I try to. I try to not put a ton of pressure on myself in terms of getting getting content out. Like when the motivation is there and the content happens to be there, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm sure I will pick it back up at some point in the season. I'd love to get Rich on there and and Arch and some of these guys that I've, I've become become friends with and tell their help them tell their stories because it's like similar to this. Baseball personalities tend to get lost a little bit in translation <laughs> through through the media and through the kind of systematic approach that guys take to answering questions so when you can get guys a little bit looser and make them feel a bit more comfortable baseball player to baseball player um, i think that's where where guys typically shine yep. and it makes sure it, it makes sense to be able to develop that too and i guess do it on your own time you're you're from a songwriting singing musical family so this sometimes the music goes on its own pace too yeah you can't rush it right you can't rush the process <laughs> I, from my perspective, like I, I probably could do more stuff and, and take the time I have, but I've been honestly I've been enjoying baseball so much this season, just on its own, that I haven't necessarily felt the the need or the push to to do more and do extra. So I'm sure it'll come, and I'm sure I'll do it, but I'm enjoying the ride right now. Did being out of the game help you last year? Help you enjoy it more now this year? Do you think it makes me appreciate it for sure? You know, last year was hard for so many people for so many different reasons, and. You know, me and me and my wife and family, you know, felt all of that. And for the first time not playing in, in over a decade, it was it was really tough to it was really tough to watch it on TV every night, which I did because I still enjoy I'm still a huge baseball fan. So I'd watch it but not being able to be out there with the guys in the clubhouse, on the field, uh, enjoying the game and then really what I most most enjoy is just being out there on the mound and pitching. There's there's truly nothing like it for me and coming back this year I've had a yeah, a, a renewed love for uh for specifically for pitching that's awesome and off the field to stay i guess to keep your head away from the game because it's hard to do it 24 7 do you still bring a ukulele on the road or any musical instruments or any of that stuff or i have yeah i've got i've got my uke in, uh at the house here it's, it travels a little easier than, than a guitar i would never say that i'm good at it but i i dabble and it's uh it's fun to to mess around with it and to yeah take your mind off of off of the game every once in a while remember that I'm, I'm a human being at the end of the day and to continue to develop myself as such 
were you a pretty good Fortnite player? Did I see that? I, or? I'm not a gamer. I'm not a ga- I, I feel old. I feel really <laughs> old, and especially around around some of these young kids. I'm not gonna call them kids. That's I feel like that's patronizing. These these young adult men. <laughs> But they're, yeah, they're very good at it, and I have been always very bad at it. And so I, I tell people I don't like to do things I'm bad at. <laughs> and I feel like gaming has probably been one of those things that's passed me by. Did I read, though, that you did teach a class at one point up in Atlanta? Is yeah. that is that still in your future, your off-season futures? Or? Um, I, did, I, helped, I helped with one of, my, one of my friends. He's a professor of finance over at Emory University. And so he was teaching some graduate-level sports finance classes and... To be able to kind of go in and just kind of give my experience and, and my take. I, I was a finance major in college and have kind of nerdily enjoyed that uh, over the years, uh, diving a little bit into it. So I probably learn as much as anybody else does in those classes. But, yeah, I, I try and help out when I can. As someone who loves the game, I'm curious because you were an 18th round pick. And this year they're shortening the draft to 20 20 rounds they only had a handful of rounds last year do you worry about that because i see so many great stories like you like kk like brasso who wasn't drafted about whether the opportunity will be there and the lane will be there for so many guys like you absolutely i'm i'm i have a lot of i'm sure i have a lot of opinions about about shortening the draft probably none of which everybody wants to hear but for me the the draft is it's symbolic but it's also very pragmatic in the sense that if you want a chance to continue to play it's really hard to do that if you don't get a chance to immediately jump into organized baseball. You know, the path is never the same for for really any two players. Like, everybody's going to be a little bit different and have their own experiences. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was an 18th rounder. I very easily could have been a 25th rounder and or undrafted just like any of these guys. I was never a superstar. I never had big prospect status. But we also forget, I think, that a lot of the people who support the baseball system being coaches high school coaches college coaches scouts broadcasters and any any sort of people who are in the baseball world who aren't playing specifically on the field many of them had a chance to play baseball in the draft late rounds played for a year played for a couple years and had the chance to continue to develop their love for baseball which they can then pass on to the next generation and you know Dayton Moore said it said it well last year when he said you know, we can't forget about these guys because they are the ones that will continue to make this game what it is for the years to come. Well, certainly your passion for the game comes through clear. It's great to chat with you. It's great to see you throwing so well. Continued success on the field. And thanks for being with us on this week in Rays Baseball. And Neil, I appreciate it, man. It's been great. It's Colin McHugh. And we'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and joining us right now to talk about the infield play is third base coach and infield instructor Rodney Lenoris. And Rodney, you guys have still had one of the best infields defensively to this point of the season. What has been most impressive, especially considering you changed shortstops almost midstream? First thing is uh, just to say hello to the fans and, and thanks for all the support. The guys really appreciate it. Uh, the infield, man, we've Again, I've said it time and time again, we've uh, done such a good job of uh, just getting the right guys, athletic guys. You know, losing Willie was a little hard early uh, since he was such a character. And he's the first guy that I actually worked with a lot when I got to the big leagues. But then, you know, Walsey's been impressive at short. And now you got Wander up here. And we all know what uh, Warner brings to the table. But uh, again, like all the guys, you know, Joey's been as Joey Joey esque as you can as you can be. He's been awesome. Uh, you know, Belaus, you know, steady. You know, Yandi's played amazing first base. 
uh, not a lot of third base. But again, like the whole crew has done an, an unbelievable job. You know, uh, I said it in spring training. I thought that, you know, familiarity being together for an, an extra full year was going to be uh, really big for us. And, you know, it's played out that way so far. Tell me, you touched on Yandi. How surprised have you been at how well he's played at first uh, when you were without G-Man Choi? And how much has that really helped the overall infield? You know, I'm, I wasn't that surprised. We all know that Yandi is a really good athlete. I think last year uh, during the pandemic year, uh, you know, he got a little too big. Uh, for the infield, and that kind of hampered not only his offense, but his defense. I thought I think he's in really, really good shape this year. Uh, he's moving really well. And again, like he was, he actually really surprised me at first because, you know, he made some unbelievable picks during the entire time he's been playing over there. Uh, you know, that there, there's a pretty good chance that we might have an errand throw here and there, but he, he did more than his share to help the guys out. And, and, you know, they love when he's playing over there too. From an infield standpoint, and you mentioned that, you know, the, the loss of, of Willie, uh, how much did your relationships that you built in spring training with the kids help out in trying to ease that transition a little bit? They do, you know, they do, but there's nothing like being together, like, on a daily basis for a complete year. Like, you know, you touch on them uh, uh, not so much in spring training. You know, I, I had, uh, uh, I saw Wander and uh, Walls and Bruhan uh, probably every day in spring, but it's not the same when the, you're you're basically focusing more on the guys that are going to be on the team. And, you know, it's just, there's not that big of a bond there, but... You know, they've come in and, you know, I got to give uh, Brady and uh, AAA a great, you know, he's he's been awesome. Those guys come in, they know where to stand, they know the, they know the shifts, they know uh, they come in, they work, they got energy. So it's kudos to the whole AAA, uh, uh, you know, staff down there and what they do. But again, like we, as an organization, I think the front office does a great job of just giving us like really good athletes. And these guys come up here and just, just let them cho- showcase what they can do. Break down each of them. Uh, what makes each of them special to this point, and where is there room for growth for each of them? Uh, when you mean each of them, you mean the whole infield or the younger guys? Ta- Taylor and Wander specifically. Taylor's got a different clock. Uh, when 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 you say a different clock, he reads swings uh, kind of like Joey. Like he's got that really really uh, uh, you know above average first step where he gets to balls that normal people are diving for. When he has to dive for a ball, it's probably a ball that nobody's ever going to catch. And he's he's that good. He's he's really, really good. You know, he there's, there's room for growth. Yes, there's a lot of room for growth. There's a, He needs a lot of experience, you know, needs to learn how to slow it down a bit. There are times when he plays like his head is on fire. But again, I foresee him probably you know, in his career, probably winning a gold glove or several from what I've seen in the short amount of time. Uh, love what he brings to the table. He's competitive. Uh, he's got that little bit of an edge. He's he's a gamer. Uh, you know, Wander, <clears throat> again, I, I can't imagine. I tell people all the time I've been around a couple of 20-year-olds that have made it to the big leagues and, and, the, and especially him, like with the amount of pressure that brings being the number one player in the planet for two straight years that, you know, he doesn't let that af- affect him. But, in the, you know, I know that that's, that's got to be tough. Uh, he's, you know, he's wandering. He's going to be 
He's going to be a good player. He needs time. He needs time to adjust. He does, I, I call him wander because he, he wanders sometimes. He's like, you look out there and you can see that it's a 20-year-old that's like, you know, I'm in the big leagues right now. And, and but he's going to, he's going to get, he's only going to get better. You know, he's, he's got great hands, great uh, first step. You know, he's, he's, he's an above average defender at short also. So you have the luxury of having two guys that are above average, not two. We got several guys that are above average, but when you have those two young guys come in, I've always said that in my short time in the big leagues, what I've learned is that what keeps you in the big leagues is catching the ball. People think about hitting all the time, but if you don't, you can't play defense, you're probably going to be back in AAA. But those guys, man, we were so happy to have them, and and it's going to be really fun when they when they can both be out there uh, playing together. Uh, those two kids are really good. How have you worked with them on a routine, and have either of them gotten to the racquetballs yet? I try. So I try to let them come to me about stuff like that. I want to see them. You know, I haven't had the, that much time. Uh, I don't think so. The the reason we used to do a lot of racquetballs because Willie had such a tough time with backhands. So we trying to get him to use his hands more to see the ball go into his hand. Uh, Brasso does it a lot. He's another guy that's a little underrated. He's uh, Brasso's been outstanding all year. But those those younger guys, I want to give them an opportunity to the like. You got to realize that like, they got to the big leagues. The first couple of days is like a honeymoon. Like they come in, you know, they're so happy. They got to talk to a million people. They got to do a million interviews. And and it's part of the gig. But then now we are going to go work. And so once we come back from the road, then we'll sit down and kind of like, okay, I've seen you play for 10 days. This is what we think we need to do. And But again, like I've been really pleased with their play. Uh, they've both been outstanding. I think they both... I think Walsh made an error in his first game and Wander made one in his third game. So, you know, we have at least we have something that we could talk about. So uh, but again, like I'm really happy about both having both of those guys here. And you mentioned Joey Wendell doing Joey Wendell things. Has he almost been without Willie, a, almost like a de facto captain of the infield because he's so steady and so solid? There's no there's no doubt, not only because he's he's the 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 veteran, like if you want to call him that. But he also carries that aura of, you know, Joey Wendell. Like when I see Joey, I see like a grinder, a player, uh, uh, you know, one of the best, for me, one of the best infielders in the planet. It's Joey Wendell. So he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't captain with his mouth. He just does it with his play and the guys look up to him and you can see that, you know, he, he wants to help the younger guys. He talks to the younger guys a lot, which is really, really good uh, sharing information. And I told them the other day when we were talking about something about positioning and, and I said, man, they're going to struggle a little bit, especially at the trop sometimes, but just help them out. Don't don't be afraid to help him out. And he, you know, he's taking it into that role of like helping those guys out. I almost you mentioned Taylor Walls likely winning gold glove or multiple. I'm surprised to this point that Joey hasn't won one and he's playing like it again this year. If Joey can't get a go, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we we have several guys that are eventually going to win a gold glove. You got to remember, like sometimes gold gloves are tied to hitting 30 home runs in the big leagues the last couple of years. But these guys have been unbelievable. Like they made my job so easy, especially when cash is all over me about somebody booting the ball. Uh, but we don't boot the ball that often. So uh, my job is uh, uh, 
pretty uh, simple with those guys. Uh, they they make it really fun to come to work and the, the energy and the amount of work. You know what? I think is the the first time ever that everywhere we've been, uh, somebody gives us a compliment of how our infield works and and the work we put in there with the, you know, with the rapid fire uh, uh, ground balls and and the intensity that they the guys bring into the. Uh, uh, work before the game. Rodney, good stuff. Keep it up. And uh, here's to a really good second half. Thank you. And that is the Rays third base coach and infield instructor, Rodney Linares. Good stuff from him on the Rays infield. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and time to take a look at the Rays and the Miners. And this week, uh, Shane Boz and Vidal Brujan are going to the Futures game, we learned. And joining us is Vidal to talk about it with Manny Navarro translating. Felicidades, Vidal. What does the opportunity mean? ¿Qué significa la oportunidad en el juego de futuros? Ah, yo me siento muy bien, muy bien. En verdad, muchas gracias por el apoyo. Me siento, me siento, me siento muy contento con esa, esa noticia que me dieron. Nada, disfrutar el juego ese día. Uh, I feel good and I'm very happy. Uh, thank you for, for all the support. Uh, I was very happy when I got the, the news about it and I'm just going to have fun on that day. Will your family go to the game or be able to watch on the computer? Su familia irá al juego o puede ver en la computadora? Ellos van a ver juego por la computadora, watch the video. We're going to be able to see it through the computer. That's good. What does it mean to go with Shane Boss? ¿Qué significa ir con Shane Boss? Un talento, un talento impresionante, buen pitcher, buena persona, buen team, you know, eh, buen, buen compañero de equipo también. En realidad, muy contento porque él es buena persona. It's impressive. He's an impressive person. He's an impressive pitcher. I'm very happy for him. Um, he's, he's a great teammate as well, and I'm excited and happy for him as well. And do you have friends on other teams that are going? And who are they? Tienes amigos en otros equipos que van y quienes son? Julio Rodriguez, sí. Creo que el piche de los piratas, Santana, tal Santana ahí. Ese, ¿qué más? ¿Qué más que va? Domingo, Domingo, el de los Yankees. El propeto número uno de los Yankees. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez, uh, the pitcher from the Pirates, Santana, uh, Domingo from the Yankees as well. You're having a very good year. What have you learned this year? ¿Qué has aprendido este año? Aprendido a mantener la calma, tener paciencia y seguir echando para adelante. I've learned a lot to be calm. I've been, uh, been able to stay a lot more relaxed and uh, just being able to, to control the emotion. And where have you improved this season? This season, donde has mejorado esta temporada? El Ophelia, me siento más cómodo que primera temporada que jugó Philly. Todavía me siento bien. In the outfield, I felt a lot more comfortable. This is the first season I played it a lot more consistently, uh, and yeah, the outfield. And, and what's your favorite outfield spots? Uh, center field, left field, or right field? ¿Cuál es uh, tu favorito? Jardín central, izquierdo, o derecho? 
Todo, todo. No tengo uno favorito. All of them. I don't really have one specific favorite one. And how do you want to improve the rest of the season? ¿Cómo quieres mejorar el resto de esta temporada? Mejorar mi bateo y seguir haciendo lo mismo. Nada quiero cambiar. Seguir robando base y seguir jugando mi pelota fuerte. No, I like to uh, improve my batting if I can. Honestly, I just want to maintain what I'm doing now. I want to continue running the bases and just playing the game hard. In your batting, how? How? In tu bateo, como? Uh, más paciencia o, o, o como? Más tranquilo, más, más relajado, más, más paciencia. Y no, eso. Just to be calm, to just be a little bit more relaxed and, and definitely be more patient. You guys have a really good team and many on. How, how much fun are you having? Han tenido un buen equipo. ¿Cómo se están divirtiendo en ese equipo? Oh, sí, tenemos, tenemos un equipo, tenemos el mejor equipo, creo yo, de la Liga Menor. Y eso, eso siempre pasa cuando uno está en armonía, que lo, uno, uno mismo se, se ayuda, los compañeros se ayudan entre ambos. Si uno tiene la cabeza abajo, el otro ayuda y dice, vamos, que tú puedes. Y eso es lo que hace el equipo perfecto. Y más los coach, los managers también hacen lo mismo. Um, I think, in my opinion, we're the best team in the minor leagues. You know, we're the, we're the type of team that uh, if you're hanging your head down low, your teammates are going to pick you up. And as long as we stay together, uh, we believe that we'll be a good team. Well, I'm very excited for you, Vidal. Congratulations. Enjoy the opportunity. Felicidades por la oportunidad y disfrutarlo. Gracias, gracias. Igual. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. And that's Vidal Brujan, who will play in the Futures game next Sunday, along with Rays pitching prospect Shane Boz. Congrats to both. Brujan has an 8.15 OPS so far this year with 14 stolen bases to lead the club. Coming up, we'll hear from Jalen Beeks on his recovery from Tommy John surgery, and we'll preview the Indian series with their broadcaster, Jim Rosenhaus. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in race baseball. And last month we gave uh, race fans an update on Colin Poche and uh, Jalen Beeks is another one of the guys rehabbing from Tommy John to Tropicana field joins us now for an update on how he's doing. Jalen, thanks very much for a few minutes. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Tell me what uh, you have been doing to this point and how advanced your rehab has gone. Yeah. I mean, it's been slow moving to this point, but uh, it's just really been a throwing progression of, being able to throw a little bit harder each day or a little bit longer uh, just to build up stamina uh, for my elbow and the rest of my body to um, stay in shape. And right now I'm throwing bullpens. I'm getting to throw some uh, change-ups and things like that. So I'm starting to feel a little bit more like a pitcher again. So when did you start throwing off a mound? And what did that mean to you to get to that point? Because it's obviously been, what, almost a year now? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a year. I started throwing off the mound about a month ago maybe a little over that month and a week, but, uh, yeah, I was just really excited. Uh, the first time I got back off the mound and, you know, you're a little nervous getting off the mound for the first time again, after it was eight months at the time, uh, off, but it just, it came back real naturally. I mean, I felt better off the mound that I did playing catch. So that was, that was good for my mental, mental game, I guess. Um, but so we've just progressed since then and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. How much has it helped to have both Colin Poche and Yanni Chirinos rehabbing as well? And how much have you guys helped each other and pushed each other? Uh, a lot. I mean, it's really nice to have some guys there at the field uh, just that you can talk to. And, you know, we're kind of like we're, we're the rehab team. So we got our own little 
own little clique, I guess you could say, you know, we got to stay back and while everybody's going on the road. Um, so we hang out a lot. Uh, it's been great. Both of those guys are great. And, you know, we've had other guys uh, down here with us mixing in, but you know, it's those three and Oliver Drake have been the, have been the guys that I've hung out with the most. You mentioned you've thrown off a mound and you've thrown some change-ups. What is kind of the next step? And is there anything that you need to kind of get over from a mental hurdle before you go into the offseason? Yeah, the next step uh, is mixing in cutters. Uh, again, I think that's coming in a week. And I'll slowly start uh, mixing those in. I won't try to overdo it uh, and throw too many. But, you know, you got to gradually do these things and uh, build up to it. Um, and then getting, I'm only throwing 20 pitches right now in my bullpen. So uh, hopefully get that up to 30 pitches and be, feel good doing that. And then what was the, what was the last question you asked? I guess before the, uh, before the season ends, is there something that, you know, a mental hurdle you want to get over? Do you want to make sure you face hitters in an instructs game? What are, what are kind of the things that you're hoping to do before you finish for the summer, so to speak? Yeah, uh, the main thing is just seeing someone swing at a ball that I'm throwing again. You know, that's always an adjustment um, and seeing how they react to it and making adjustments from there. Because to this point, it's been really like, okay, I want my arm to be healthy. I want my arm to be healthy. And I want to be able to click over to it's time to compete and get guys out more than caring about my arm so much. Because in the end, if I'm not competing and getting guys out and making those small either mechanical adjustments or mental adjustments, then I'm not much use uh to a big league team so i've got to i've got to turn that corner coming up in about a month so you actually will face hitters before september then yes uh i think i'll be throwing live bps late august and into september and then i'll probably be in instructs for what would be my rehab assignment but you know triple a season would be over at that point do you have any hopes if this team's in the postseason that you could help or is it more hey this gets me ready for next year from my understanding, it's just getting ready for next year because I'm pretty sure they have to use a spot early if I was going to be available for the playoffs. And, you know, I'd only be back at that point. I'd only be available for an inning. Um, so I don't know. That's up to, you know, Eric in the front office. But from what I've heard, it's mainly just getting I'm, I'm in that in between area. I'm like right at that mark where it could go either way. So we'll see what happens. But I'm guessing spring training. Which I would guess also would give you some peace of mind having faced hitters, though, if you do that, let's say, August, September, kind of know where your body's at and give your body a chance to rest and recover from this whole rehab process. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I and I get it. I'm going to whatever they decide, um, I'm just going to make the best of it. And if I get, you know, the good thing is I get a full offseason um, of, without rehab and I can just get ready for the next for next year. So either way, I'm looking forward to that um, and I'll be all going spring training for sure. How much have the home games helped you get through all this process, Jalen? Yeah, it's been great. I, with COVID protocols, um, I wasn't like early in the season. I wasn't allowed to, you know, be in the dugout or anything. But uh, the home games have been great. It's been great to see all the guys. I've been for the last two years with most a lot of these guys. I mean, I was seeing them more than my own family. <laughs> so, you know, we're close. It's a close group where it's got a lot of they got a lot of good guys in it. That's how the Rays do it. They get good people. So it's been really enjoyable when they get home. With the 85%, are you know allowed are you allowed now to spend time in the dugout? Has that changed yes. anything? Yes. Things are slowly starting to open up. So, you know, that's been really nice. And, you know, there's card games, you know, and just little things like that. You know, now we can there's extra chairs in the locker room. So it's been really it's been a blessing uh that things have opened up. It's getting a little bit more closer to normal. You mentioned the race or your family. How has your family been? Bree and the kids, have they stayed with you through all this? What has the process been like? 
yeah, they have been uh, with uh, with me throughout the whole process. We're not if we don't have to, we're not separated. Uh, we try not to. So they've been with us. Uh, I've got actually another one on the way. Congrats. To, thank you. I got another one on the way doing January. So that's exciting. And it's just been, that's what I've been the, you know, one of the good things. There's always good and bad things that come out of every situation. One of the good ones of being hurt. So I've got to spend a lot of time with my kids and with my wife and just really enjoy, enjoy that for the moment before baseball kick, picks back up. How impressed have you been, by the way, Jalen, that this group has kind of been able to hang in considering the guys that they've missed? Uh, the three of you, obviously Nick Anderson and Oliver Drake, uh, and on and on in terms of the guys that, are, that have been out. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's just kind of what the Rays do, it seems like. I mean, they just – another guy steps up and they pitch well and they pitch well, and then, um, you know, our defense is top-notch. And, you know, all the way through, we just have quality, quality, quality. It's been really fun to watch. Um, hopefully we can pick back up after this national series um, and get going a little bit again, but it's been, it's been really fun to watch. And I think that's just what the Rays do. They go out and get good people with, you know, good mental toughness to just keep moving forward. Who's been most helpful to you, Jalen, through this whole process and, and what's um, what's been most encouraging through all this for you? Um, I mean, it's been hard. I mean, I've had a lot of people that I've relied on. I've talked to mental skills coach, uh, Justin Sua, Snyder, I mean, Hark, my, uh, the trainer here has been great. Um, I've got, you know, like we already mentioned, we've, I've got multiple friends uh, who are players here that we talk a lot. We talk a lot. I mean, we hang out. We're there four or five hours a day talking, going through everything. So it's been really nice to have that support. And obviously you've got your family there with you. Are there other things you do just to keep your mind occupied? So then once you're done with your rehab, you can kind of shut that down and, and be able to not focus on that a hundred, you know, 24 seven. Yeah. I mean, I, that's just like during the season, once you walk out the door, it's time to be a, a father and a husband and you just got to be able to turn that switch. And then when I walk back in, I'm a baseball player and I'm a Tampa Bay Ray and I'm going to go get outs. So it's just a, it's just a thing you kind of learn over the years. Uh, I don't do anything crazy right now. I'm not allowed to, I would be loving to play golf or, something like that or basketball, you know, I like to move, but I'm not allowed to do that right now. So it's just been hanging out with the family. My son loves baseball. So, you know, I'll play catch with him. He's three, so it's not really catch, but you know, <laughs> um, he, he loves to hit and he loves to do all those things. And we're just, we just stay busy. Does he quite understand what you do at this point at three? Yeah, he understands. I mean, I, I don't think he understands what, a how, like, I don't know. It's a blessing and it's so cool that I get to do this. Um, but I don't think he's got there yet. And he's just like, oh, yeah, dad plays baseball. Of course. Who else doesn't? Who, who doesn't play baseball, you know? So uh, he'll get it one day, but he he loves it. And I, I'm ready to take him back to the field and bring him back up here so he can enjoy it. Well, Jalen, we look forward to the day when we see you pitching in games again on a big league mound. I know there's several hurdles to to get through before that, but we're glad to hear you're doing pretty well and continued success on the rehab. I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for having me on, man. And that's Jalen Biggs, Rays left-hander, and we wish him continued success on his rehab from Tommy John surgery. Now, tomorrow, the Rays are back at home to meet the Cleveland Indians. And joining me now, one of the broadcasters, Jim Rosenhaus. Rosie, good to chat with you. Neil, how you doing? Good, good. These two teams, the Rays and Cleveland, have played well, generally speaking, for the better part of the first half, but they both have hit a rut lately. What do you think is the big story with the Indians to this point? Well, Neil, I think they had very little margin for error coming out of spring training. And by that, I mean, uh, if they had certain injury issues, uh, it could be a real challenge from a depth standpoint. 
And sure enough, the entire starting rotation that they had coming out of spring training is no longer with the ball club. And, and three of those would be your big three starters. Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, and Zach Plezak all got hurt and have missed significant time. Uh, Savali and Bieber, still unknown as to when they would return. Plezak might either just before or just after the All-Star break. He's pretty close. So you're looking at a lot of young pitching. And in this year, and you may notice this too, Neil, if you dip into your minor leagues for pitching, it's probably going to be pitchers who haven't had much time at AAA because of the lack of a minor league season last year. And, and that's what the Indians are facing right now. And so as a result, they're, you know, that, that two and two thirds or three and a third innings from your starter, which wasn't the case early in the season, starts to impact your bullpen and it kind of snowballs from there. So they're trying to get to the all-star break and, and see if they can keep their head above water and, and stay relevant in terms of postseason. But it's certainly a challenge right now. You know, the White Sox, the team that leads that central division, have had their fair share of injuries, too. But it looks like most of their injuries have been position players. And it sounds like or seems like this is a year where pitching injuries are a lot more relevant or more impactful than the position player injuries. Fair to say? Yeah. And you know, there's something to be said, if you keep your rotation in order, which for the most part, the White Sox have done, that can go a long way. I mean, you know, you may have to win a couple of two to ones or three to two games, that type of thing, but it just seems they're, they're a lot easier to win than, than if you're down by six runs early because you're starting pitching struggling. So uh, they've weathered the storm and a credit to them because uh, they have had some significant injuries and that started back in spring training, but you know, there's enough depth there and then the good starting pitching makes a difference. You know, you mentioned the injuries that the Indians have had of the rotation. We're chatting with Jim Rosenhaus of the Indians radio network. They've also had some guys who I thought were going to perform underperform. Tristan McKenzie comes to mind. What's been, why has he had such a tough year in your mind? Probably to narrow it down, walks and, and lack of command. He really had a hard time throwing strikes for whatever reason because we didn't see that last year. But again, Neil, you know, here's a guy who skipped AAA altogether. Uh, they called him up last year after he had had, you know, some injury issues, really hadn't thrown much at all for about a year and a half, and then was able to, to have success last year. But you saw it in spring training. He was struggling with his command. And that carried through to the regular season. Um, and, you know, I think that really hurt his confidence because when he would throw strikes, he, he would give up some home runs and, and have some big innings. So uh, he's down in Columbus that, you know, in a, in a normal situation, they wouldn't give it a, a second thought, just leave him there and let him work through his issues and, and, and try and get better at that level. But because of the injuries, you know, that they start thinking about, well, maybe he's an option because of, of where he is on the roster, but so far they're, they're staying away from him and, and just letting him develop at AAA, which maybe would have been ideal coming out of spring training in hindsight. How much do you think struggles by some of these pitchers? You mentioned the lack of AAA experience, but I also wonder they're now pitching before crowds. A lot of these guys went a year, their first year in the big leagues without ever having to worry about the noise of the crowd, the adrenaline, being able to control that, especially on the road. How much of that do you think plays in? Maybe for a younger pitcher, it would. You know, it, again, if J.C. Mejia is a great example, his last full season was at single-A Lynchburg, hmm. and, and now he's in the big leagues. So who knows? You know, maybe it is an issue for him. Maybe it, it was for McKenzie, who came up last year and didn't pitch in front of anything but cardboard cutouts. So it, it could be. And, you know, I think the separator for so many good major league pitchers is when they run into some trouble in an inning, 
you know, keeping it at, at one or two runs instead of four or five runs. And, and that's where it gets away from a younger pitcher. And we've seen that time and again with the Indians. So I don't know, maybe it's a factor, but you know, you look at a, a ton of different things this year because everything different from what we saw last year. Maybe that is a factor. The back end of the bullpen, though, for the Indians, despite some of the starting issues, when you get there, seems to be very, very good. What's been most impressive about that group? Oh, tremendous arms at the back. Uh, Emmanuel Class A uh, has been tremendous, uh, allowing you know his ERAs under one. Most of his pitches, Neil, most, not just occasionally, but you know, better than 50% are triple digits. His cutter's 99, for crying out loud. So that's kind of fun. Um, and then James Karinchak, who got some action last year for the Indians, really burst on the scene. He's been strong. So they kind of alternate those two closing. Brian Shaw has been a, a real key for the Indians. Um, you know, after a rough couple of years in Colorado and Seattle, he's back with the Indians and throwing the same as he was when he was a key member of the pen several years back. So uh, that's been been good. But yeah, the, the bullpen's been strong. And what they're worried about is, you know, have they been taxed now with these shorter starts by the starting rotation and what impact that might have, not only now, but but just down the road as we get deeper into the season. On the other side, I think everyone expected that the pitching certainly was going to carry Cleveland if they're competing for a playoff spot. Offensively, how has Jose Ramirez managed to continue to do what he does with really a less around him with Francisco Lindor moved in the offseason? It's remarkable. And and the other key, too, uh, they've been without Fran Mill Reyes, who just returned last night, big bat in the middle of the order. There was some protection there for Jose Ramirez early in the season, but he missed six weeks. Now that he's back, it, it might be better. But it's remarkable, Neil, that you know teams pitch around Jose Ramirez, but somehow he still gets pitches to hit and does damage. It, it's, it's amazing that he gets pitches to hit. And, you know, sometimes with a hitter, they get impatient because they don't see as much. And he's had a little bit of that where he's expanded his strike zone, but not a whole lot. And he's still having a really good year. So he's a remarkable player. He's been in the running for MVP the last several years in, in terms of the voting. And it's easy to see why. And, you know, they with the trade of Lindor, certainly you thought he could step up. And, and, he, and he has. It's amazing. And uh, he is the heart and soul of this team, no question. And is Reyes probably the next big threat around him and probably the best offensive bat among the outfielders to this point? I would say. And, and he's more of a DH than an outfielder. but certainly. Yes, he, he would be that big power threat. And there's still kind of, you know, it's funny, Eddie Rosario is second on the team in RBIs, but it doesn't seem like he's been been super hot. Maybe it's just the home runs haven't been there as much as they've been in past seasons when he was with the Twins. But that's someone else who who certainly uh, could provide a buffer there for for Jose Ramirez. But uh, those would be your your main power threats right now. And, and the interesting one is Bobby Bradley, who's just up from the minor leagues. Uh, eight home runs since being called up in early June. So there's a, a potential piece, but again, a young hitter. So he's going to go through his ups and downs, but certainly exciting because uh, there is big power there. So uh, that's a nice piece to add, you know, at the start of June. As we're in early July now, Jim, what do you think happens with the Indians? Because this is kind of an important month with the trading deadline approaching a few weeks from now. Whew, I'll tell you what, Neil, the, the front office is they're on that line. You know, are they in or are they out? It's so hard to say. It might, you know, they, they might have to wait and see just where they are at the All-Star break because they have two more games, you know, a couple more games uh, with Houston this weekend and then the series with the Rays, which will be a challenge, I'm sure. And then they finish with the Royals heading into the break. They went from two, two back of the White Sox to six out in a real short period of time. 
I think they're kind of waiting to see, given another week, 10 days, and, and that's not set in stone, but uh, they might have an answer by the All-Star break as to which direction they head and whether they really think this team can can put together something down the stretch. And it may also depend on on where they see Bieber and Savali in terms of coming back and helping this team. If it's if those are long-term injuries and they don't get back till September, then maybe you know they look in, in a direction where they're sellers. If they think they can come back at the end of July, then maybe they it's worth it to try and pick up some help. But um, I think they're still straddling that line, to be honest with you. Well, then it's going to be an interesting series for sure at Tropicana Field coming up. And obviously an interesting few weeks because I think for most teams, they're trying to figure out What's real and not when you go from 62 to one or 60 to 162, it's really not easy to gauge. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, we're back to normal, but it's not normal based on last year. And, and that's the hard part. And I'm, I mean, we've seen just injuries shred every team. I mean, I know, you know, we've talked about Indians injuries, but it's every team has had injuries. I know your club is, you know, the pitching staff has gone through it. And I think the team that deals with it the best, those will be the ones that are around in October. Rosie, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you at the ballpark. Neil, we'll look forward to it. And that's Jim Rosenhaus, and we certainly thank him for joining us and all of our guests on the program today, including Rays pitcher Colin McHugh, Vidal Brujan, who's headed to the Futures game with Shane Boz, Rodney Linares, the Rays' third-base coach and infield instructor, as well as rehabbing left-hander Jalen Beeks. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Hey, calling all young Rays fans, reading with the Rays presented by Suncoast Credit Union is for you. This summer, kids who read for 24 hours in total earn two tickets to a future Rays home game. For details, free educational resources, and to download your game card, go to racebaseball.com slash reading. Next week, you'll hear from Rays representatives that are headed to the All-Star Game, plus an MLB draft preview. For my producer, Rob Roman, I'm Neil Solons. Have a safe 4th of July. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next, and you are listening to the Rays Baseball Network.